This time on Watchers of Tomorrow, to Beardly go where no data has gone before. Hello everyone, welcome to Watchers of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that keeps using 400-year-old references and expecting everyone to know what they are for some reason. My name is Gefwin, and I'm joined as always by my friend and co-host Dr. Izix. Hi! And this week is another one of those ones that, like, I know I saw and I did, didn't remember and I couldn't tell you what it was from the name <laughs> until I rewatched it. Well, uh, I guess the uh, the name didn't ring any bells, but this episode actually kind of stuck with me after I watched it years and years ago. Uh, and in fact, the uh, hard drive uh, brain uh, uh, prize is kind of why I, you know, I it, it was inspired by this one. So, so this is the Schizoid Man. I'm not sure why. Uh, they liked King Crimson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a reference to the prisoner. Maybe. Because uh, apparently uh, Patrick McGowan was supposed to be uh, the dude in this one, but uh, I guess he was unavailable or something. So maybe it's in reference to something that didn't happen. Yes. <laughs> Sounds likely. Sounds just as likely as anything. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, let's just standard Star Trek stuff. You know, we'll get a title sort of related to what's going on, and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, eventually we'll have a bunch of one-word uh, titles that don't make any sense in Voyager. Yeah, so, you happens. Know. I mean, at least we're not into the, we're still out of the original series era of, is there no beauty in the naming of a rose? And then it's just about somebody blowing up a planet or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that ca- in that particular episode, that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there is a connection that did <laughs> This episode was written by Hans uh, Blemmer, who is best known for writing Night Watch, which I hadn't quite heard of, but it's apparently a thing. Uh, he then was a staff writer for Next Generation, and is probably best known for his work on DS9 later on. And uh, yeah, I guess kind of everyone involved in the writing of this one has been uh, you know, kind of a Star Trek regular of one level or another. Yeah. And several the guest stars. And several people in the <laughs> cast are. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of guest stars, we don't have a ton this episode. It's a pretty small episode, all things considered. We got W. Morgan Shepard, who's playing Ira Graves. Uh, he's a veteran stage and screen actor, appears several times in Star Trek. Uh, he's also a Klingon guard in Undiscovered Country, he appears in Voyager. Uh, known for playing uh, the blank reg on Max Headroom, which I haven't seen, and a Confederate general in both of the Gettysburg movies, Gettysburg and Gods and Generals. Um, that, you know, Confederate propaganda trash. <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. He was in two episodes of Babylon 5 and was uncredited in the Star Trek reboot movie. <laughs> so he's around. And, uh, he's all over. Yes. You know, Doctor Who, the librarians, uh, uh, wet. It's a video game. <laughs> I mean, to clarify, Gettysburg, I thought was a fine movie. It has some problematic elements. Gods and Generals is straight up Confederate propaganda. So I'll, I'll go ahead and just pass that on that, on that one yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, both aren't great. Both, both kind of make some weird implications about how the South was righteous and not really fighting for slavery and et cetera. But uh, they really tipped over with the sequel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I could go on about Civil War movies for way too long. That's not what this is about. Well, uh, maybe there's a Civil War uh, allegory in this one. Yeah, a Civil War in his heart. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> a Civil War between uh, Data and not Data. We'll have a better one later. <laughs> uh, we also have Barbara Allen Woods playing Karen... Brannon, uh, she's best known for playing Deb on One Tree Hill, another thing I've never mm-hmm. seen. She was on the soap opera Eden and was later on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. Also starred in the film Circuitry Man, which sounds interesting. 
<laughs> is it like a uh, response to short circuit? I don't think so. I doubt it. You know what? Let me look. Let me look at this. I write these scripts <laughs> way far in advance nowadays. That's kind of a weird uh, circuitry, man. Uh, 1990 American post-apocalyptic science fiction film. It's followed by the sequel, Plughead. Yeah, there's a, on the picture here, there's a, a guy with a plug going into his head already. Let's see. <laughs> Circuitry man. According to Wikipedia, in a post-apocalyptic future, pollution has killed off the natural world and the population is forced to live underground. A woman attempts to smuggle a suitcase of contraband drug chips. From Los Angeles to the underground remains of New York City while eluding both police and gangsters. Along the way, she is aided by romantic biomechanical ponytailed android and pursued by Plughead, a villain with the ability to tap into people's minds. Hmm. Well, that's kind of awkward. Adapted from a student <laughs> film. <laughs> Which, you know, can be either really good or frighteningly terrible. The Los Angeles Times called it nothing if not derivative. <laughs> so uh, maybe we should pass on that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. It sounds like some interesting trash. <laughs> All right. Finally, uh, third guest star, we have the first appearance on this show of Susie Plaskin, who in this is playing Dr. Salar, who's a Vulcan science officer. Our medical officer, mm -hmm. it's a little, I couldn't quite tell. I, think. Uh, I believe um, uh, medical, uh, you know, medical Solar, science. Uh, gets, gets, you know, uh, measured, uh, mentioned a number of times uh, throughout the series, but I believe this is the only time she actually shows up. Um, she, this character was introduced in this episode as possibly a potential love interest for Worf, which would have been very interesting, I mm -hmm. think, but then she never shows up again. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's too bad, but um, she'll end up with a uh, playing a different uh, love potential love interest for Worf. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> so Plaskin was around a lot, um, had a stage career, including on Broadway. She was regular on Love and War, which is a sitcom I haven't heard of either. Um, she will appear multiple times in Star Trek. She will later be the half Klingon mm -hmm. ambassador, Kalar, and Lady Q, and an Andorian and Enterprise. She's one of those multiple series people. Yes. And uh, shows up on other stuff, of course, but, uh, you know, I already kind of mentioned some of that. Um, but uh, also uh, shows up on Johnny Bravo. Ho -ho. Isn't that animated? It's not important. <laughs> yeah, the Johnny Bravo, you never, you've never seen that? I've never seen it. I'm more, more or less aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, uh, late teen, I guess, is, you know, uh, kind of a hunk, but kind of a moron. Sort of yeah, deal. Okay. Yeah, that and Johnny kind Bravo. Of talks dude. like Elvis. Yeah. Originally released in 1997. That's why I never saw it. You have no idea how culturally how culturally sheltered I was as a child. <laughs> I was not allowed to watch most television. Well, at least you got the important stuff. Star Trek. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Star Trek and PBS were the two things I was allowed to watch growing up in the 90s. Well, you could have done worse, really. Mm. You know, uh, I, I remember sometimes watching news channels because everything else was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and they were terrible, too, just in a different way. <laughs> Every now and then my dad would get this weird thing in his head that we had to watch some series that somebody had told him about. So we wound up watching these absolute horrible trash shows like Birds of Prey. Hmm. Like, why this? Why are we watching this weird thing instead of any, literally anything else that's on? Like, we didn't even, I wasn't even allowed to watch Buffy. <laughs> the Birds of Prey. Yeah, we have to watch the entire five episode run of that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, it kind of reminds me of some of the random things I've found on streaming services. Like, all right, I'm kind of between series. I'm going to give this a try. Holy smokes. What? even is this mm -hmm. the story makes no sense the acting's terrible but the production value is through the roof for some reason what yeah. <laughs> i used to love doing that back before netflix would only show you five things on repeat i'd just go into the weird annals of the back rooms of netflix and find random mm -hmm. random junk <laughs> oh a, a good friend of mine uh, used to uh do uh art streams where she'd be doing some art uh, and then have something kind of like that playing in the, uh, you know, sort of the background for that uh, you could all kind of make fun of as she was working. Uh, and it was usually like a kid's movie. 
And so, you know, we have some really strange exposures there now, thanks to that, including the one where the, uh, the, there's the, the talking dolphins and one of them really enjoys farting and then smelling it. That yeah. sounds likely. That sounds, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like children's humor from a certain era. <laughs> Particularly what adults of a certain sort thought children's humor was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we may as we may as well get to the thing we're actually supposed to be talking about. I suppose. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Okay, uh, the Enterprise is on its way to help a Ira Graves, who apparently is humanity's greatest living scientist, who's been living in near complete isolation on his own planet, devoting himself completely to research. And a few hours ago, Graves' assistant sent a distress call requesting medical aid and then shut off all communication. So uh, I guess this guy uh, was the runner-up the last time the uh, uh, the galaxy's greatest scientist died. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> I know. They, they keep on. This keeps happening. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we'll uh, get you know down the, the, the ranks and eventually, you know, we'll uh, end up with, uh, you know, uh, Joe, who is... Uh, really good at studying uh you know uh, uh, molds or something like that mm-hmm. and he's like no i'm actually not gonna die and they're like finally someone who's not on death's door for some yeah, reason that, it's weird to be like the world's greatest scientist too because this guy's obviously into into computers or some some something uh it's a little mm-hmm. unclear but like he's the world's greatest scientist and then the dude over here who's the best person ever at studying slime mold is like excuse me <laughs> just because biology is undervalued yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, come, you know, you get, they come to me when you get a weird infection, but you know, any other time, just it's like, yeah, you're not important. Great. I've never committed a horrible ethical violation that threatened all of humanity, <laughs> but sure, greatest scientist over here. Well, uh, there was a another episode uh, there where uh, you know it's like, oh, we're looking at these biological samples, and sometimes people just decide to make bioweapons out of these things, like. Maybe it's because you don't appreciate your biological sciences, folks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Appreciate biologists yeah. or they get bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're en route and they don't have much to do. So Jordy and Troy visit Data's quarters to look at something that he wants to show them. Um, they're talking about how surprisingly human Data is sometimes before arriving. Yeah, He's fun like that. I guess it yes. might be relevant to the episode later. <laughs> Indeed, uh... I guess it also kind of maybe builds uh, on the uh, the notion that maybe Data is more human than he realizes. Yeah. Just in general. So they show up, and Data has a full beard, which he describes as a dignified beard, which he can stroke thusly to appear intelligent and intellectual. Yes. <laughs> and I just love uh, uh, Marina Cernus's uh, reaction here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Troy can't stop laughing because I have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's why I said, uh, not Troy, but Rena Sirtis. Mm. She could stop laughing at the scene, so I had to leave. <laughs> yeah, when you turn breaking character into a character moment. Yes. <laughs> and poor Data's very confused by the whole interaction. <laughs> and uh, Jordy's, you know, I'm maintaining character, but, uh, yeah, we could sort of talk about this and, uh, you know, not, and you know, fall into the absurdity of it and just start giggling. <laughs> So, back on the bridge, Graves' assistant has sent another signal. This is, it's a broad signal. It's going out to just anybody to ask for help. Like, not, not specifically at the Enterprise. They don't know who's going to show up. Yeah, these scientists, you know, the greatest of the galaxy have to hide on planets somewhere. and They're bad at, like, setting up communications in case they start dying randomly. Yeah, because people what? keep bothering them about how they're doing unethical yeah. things. <laughs> they should just, like, learn to, like, have some basic basic uh, ethics, and then they you don't have to go hide on a weird planet somewhere. I'm doing experiments that could destabilize the entire space-time continuum. I need to be completely alone. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, you know, you know, the other guy had his other uh, set of scientists there, but they blew themselves up, so it, yeah, it doesn't really count. <laughs> so then they also pick up another distress call from a transport ship with 2,000 colonists aboard, so they need to go help that. And they need to have Pulaski to go deal with the 2,000 scientists. So they send down the other doctor they have on board. Hmm. Lieutenant Stellar. Dr. Stellar. <laughs> and they'll also send down Data and Worf and Troy. 
And they're going to do a near-warp transport, which is very, very dangerous, apparently. Yes, and uh, we need a little uh, extra drama at this part of the episode. Yeah, apparently, for some reason. So they drop out of warp <laughs> for a second, beam down, then warp away. Uh, Troy goes, for a minute, I thought I was in that wall. And he's like, yep, you were. You almost died. Good job. <laughs> Well, uh, I hope sometime down the line, uh, when the Enterprise is engaged in some uh, some tricky maneuvering through perhaps a dangerous environment uh, with a lot of explosions everywhere, and they need to beam people out, they uh, you know th- things are uh, a little safer in terms of uh, the beaming procedures. Yeah, they do this yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and the beaming procedures are fine. They weren't at warp in that one. True. <laughs> they said specifically it's a warp problem. <laughs> Well, we don't quite know where the beam is going, so we're just going to make an educated guess because mm-hmm. the warp field's still fluxing or something. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. You can bo- <laughs> you can beam from warping spaceship to warping spaceship, but not to planet. Yeah, I guess maybe like a relativity uh, frame thing, Majig, despite warp kind of, you know, not caring about that. Yeah, anyway. something, something, something. <laughs> Breaking physics, etc. I'm sorry. That's like my worst. That's that's my biggest nitpick with the stupid movie, the the reboot movie, mm-hmm. where where they have Scotty. And it's like figure out how to beam people at warp, and he goes, "Oh, it never occurred to me to think of space as the thing that was moving." It's like really, you mean the way warp drive works? You yes. never thought of that, <laughs> Mister? You know, you I've developed a transwarp drive, you know, centuries ahead of time. You know, whatever. <laughs> It's like that's that's quite literally how warp drive functions in Star Trek. Yeah. The ship holds still and space moves around it. You never thought of this? <laughs> hmm. Well, maybe they're just bad at their jobs. Or Yes, they're or very maybe. bad at their jobs in that in that movie. Uh, anyway, they beam down and Karen, a very young woman, comes out to greet them. She's nervous because Graves doesn't know they were coming. Um and He's obviously sink when he enters. He's a really old man. He's like, I hate you. Go away. Basically. Are you like in your 50s? <laughs> no, I'm like 90,000, you know. <laughs> he hates doctors, but he loves women. Yay. But how does he feel about Vulcans? We might have to do a tiebreaker here. I don't know. He doesn't like people. The women aren't people. They're women. He's, I, don't, I don't understand this, this. I don't know the point of any of this. Yeah, I think he's just hitting on Solar, and it's really yeah. awkward, and she's like, I'm a Vulcan, what are you doing? This show still takes every opportunity to go like, misogyny is alive and well in the mm-hmm. in the 23rd century. Good job. <sighs> oh, 24th, sorry. Yes, 24th. They could have fixed it in the <laughs> last 100 years, but no. <laughs> Well, maybe that's the thing with the uh, uh, graves here. He's, spo- he's supposed to be uh, depicted as someone who's incredibly old. Maybe he was a hundred years old at this point. Could be, yeah. <laughs> so I got just a holdover. It's fine. <laughs> he does his basic misogyny stuff. He looks at Data, goes, "Oh, look, it's a Sung android. Look at that." Yep. Uh, you know, given that Data is supposed to look like Doctor Soon, uh, you know, it would uh, you know make sense that he'd be able to recognize it, um, and you know. All that. <laughs> yeah. So he claims <laughs> that he taught Soong everything that he knew, in fact, making him Data's grandfather. Hmm. Uh, Solara's been secretly scanning him during this whole conversation, something he hates, but now she knows that he has Danny something disease, which is always, always, always terminal. So, yes, there was indeed absolutely no point. Yes. <laughs> oh, Danny boy, you got the Danny's dessert. Hmm. I think it's Dar Darnizes, but I'm not. I'm not going to read just weird sci-fi names. He has terminal <laughs> disease. Uh, he has a Kalinor uh, that's also mixed with uh, Eremotic syndrome. There we go. Yeah, he's got can't cure the situs. Yes. <laughs> Graves wants to spend his last days finishing his research and talking to Data. He interrogates Data about a lack of feelings, um, whistles if I only had a brain. Goes like, ha, ah, you're like the Tin Man. Ha, I'm original. Also, I watch 400-year-old movies. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe there was like a really popular remake of uh, Wizard of Oz at some point that's like the new cultural touch- touchstone. It could be. Or maybe culture never advanced past <laughs> 1970, the way it seems to have in this show. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Uh, bl- blame the uh, eugenics worse. Yeah. 
They destroyed all uh, cultural uh, impact uh, from that time forward. So he tells Data that his life must be a living purgatory, neither alive nor dead or able to die, etc. And then Data goes, oh, I have an off switch. That's kind of like dying. Like, oh, yeah. really? Off switch, you say? Yes. Uh, yeah, well, let me guess where that might be. <clears throat> he also goes, I have a plan to not die myself. I can send my brain into a computer. Thusly. Wait a moment. Is this Neuromancer? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so in the living room, Troy talks to Karen about Graves' attraction to her. Great. And vice versa. Yeah, sure. This freaking 15-year-old. So, uh, Kareen, uh, maybe, um, I don't know, get off this planet and go somewhere else for a while. Because, you know. This dude raised her all alone with her parents dead. And now they're all lovey at each other or something. This is not the textbook definition of anything. No, that's not at all. It's um, it's not super creepy. And, you know, maybe we should, it depends on what he does. We're, we're going to get you off this world and, you know, somewhere where there's people who are not going to be skeevy. So the Enterprise returns. They say they're prepared to beam Graves aboard and monitor him. But Data comes back and goes, Graves died. Uh we're all heartbroken, oh, no. etc. Hmm. This is the worst thing happened this week. So Data gets debriefed by Riker and Picard. He doesn't seem himself at all. Uh, he has an excuse for not calling the doctor when Graves died. And he seems impatient. Like, they're like, why didn't you get the doctor? That's protocol. He's like, shut up. Yeah, That's know, why. Everything <laughs> happens and passes and every dog has its day, I guess. Hmm. He goes to 10 forward to flirt with Kareen. Uh, he knows things about her. Like, Ira must have told him, right? He's, uh, he even, yeah. like, strokes her hair and does weird, creepy stuff. Like Data does, you know. Yeah. Well, in, I guess the episode's defense, Kareen doesn't really know Data at all. So maybe, you know, she's interpreting this as normal. But anyone else who happens to be watching the situation is probably going, uh. <laughs> oh, Data, trying out weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new creeper program. Yeah, we might have to talk to him later about this one. <laughs> they have a funeral for Graves, who's in a ridiculous-looking future coffin with a window. Yes. <laughs> in the transporter room. Uh, I, I just have to wonder what uh, William Morgan Shepard is uh, thinking as uh, he's just kind of laying there in the uh, with the window and uh, you know all the acting is happening around him. <laughs> How did my life come to this? Why did I agree to do this show? <laughs> So Data gives a speech about how great Graves was. To know him is to love him, is to know him, is to love him. Ricard says, shut up and beam the guy out already. <laughs> yeah, you're going on a little repetitive here, and what the hell was that? <laughs> That's the worst eulogy ever. So Ricard's starting to get concerned about Data and his weird behavior. Uh, Troy thinks that he's just having a weird reaction to a family member dying in his arms that might have, you know, unlocked new ways of being for him. Oh, just actually kind of a reasonable thing, you know. You know, Data has been constantly evolving over time, and uh, having something like this happen is, you know, kind of unusual. Someone that had a personal connection to him has died, and, you know, that does usually happen. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, unless there's a phaser involved. But anyway, or a, you know, goo monster. So Wesley tries to poke fun at Data for his this speech that he was giving at the funeral. Uh, <laughs> he calls Wesley a young man and a boy, like too young. And Wesley's like, "You're, I'm older than you," which isn't actually true. Uh, the, you know, Data's like you know a decade older than Wesley, but I guess it kind of anyway. Only sort of. <laughs> I mean, he was asleep for a long time. Yeah, true. <laughs> so Picard brings Kareen to the bridge. To look at the view screen, because it's better than a window, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I guess they use it as a window most of the time, but you know. <laughs> so Data gets visibly jealous and verbally attacks Picard and Riker. Picard sends him to the ready room. He's like, go, go time out, Data. Mm -hmm. uh, he continues to be argumentative. Picard wants him to run a diagnostic. Data runs one himself, but Picard doesn't believe him thinking he might be lying, something that, you know, is pretty unusual for Data to do. Indeed. You know, it's like, you've never been dishonest with me before, so well, this is weird. I'm going to have to keep note of the times you just, 
just uh, you know dishonest with me in the future and that because that will be a, a big red flag in terms of you know there's some shenanigans going on mm-hmm. here so he takes data to Jordy for a full scan who can't find anything wrong so troy decides to look at data's psychology she runs a psychiatric exam that they all took at the academy where sensors measure his response to various images uh mm-hmm. it's it's basically the thing from uh blade runner <laughs> watch this for a while and we'll gauge your reactions and uh you know some of those images are like you know characters in this episode others are you know things like the genesis device <laughs> mm-hmm. there's <laughs> random stock photos they had around i just yeah. like to think that it's the same for all of the academy so like somebody's like who's this dude <laughs> <laughs> why is this Kareem uh, Brianon uh, uh, character in this uh, psychological uh, profile device uh, test here uh, it just felt like the right thing to put in there but no one knows who this is uh, don't question us we're Starfleet <laughs> this is a test by questioning the possibility of the selection here you are showing that you are unfit for command so from all of this Troy discovers that data is two distinct personalities the one that they're seeing is slowly crushing the other one <laughs> being data well, uh, yeah this is you know unfortunate for data hmm maybe we should get like a diagram that shows like where is uh neural net nodes are uh, are uh, under control for each uh, of these personalities that'd be kind of cool yeah, we could we could show that. You could have a mindscape thing of dealing with the two distinct personalities and watch data mm-hmm. duke it out with the other other thing in his head. That yeah. could be neat. It it won't be, but it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but uh in terms of uh this episode though, uh we got uh you know, we got the the internal struggle and how it is being expressed to everyone around them. So Picard thinks he knows what's going on now. He sends Worf to keep an eye on Data while he gets more information on the away team. Uh, Salar describes how Data and Graves spent a lot of time together. How uh, Graves is brilliant, but um, eccentric, you know, egomaniacal, etc. Arrogant, yeah. <laughs> chauvinistic, <Yeah. laughs> just like Data. Yeah, he's uh, you know definitely one of those you know weirdo scientists that you probably shouldn't leave around, uh, you know near people and now because some of the characters have realized data goes i'm not gonna hide anymore and finds kareen and goes look i'm ira haha surprise <laughs> behold uh graves thinks data is a disposable robot a servant to his genius a tool for immortality etc uh now he and karen can be together because he's not a creepy old man anymore he's a five-year-old android which is less creepy right <laughs> And uh, and suddenly we have a uh, a little bit of a repeat from a uh, previous uh, episode from the original series in terms of you know what is our eventual destiny going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it's like oh, I'll make you a robot body too. Don't worry, it'll be fine. So it's like no, 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 go away. You're not you're not doing that to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it, people. You know, not everyone loves robots, Ira. Come on. <laughs> yep, yeah, and he doesn't like this, but he also accidentally hurts her with his new android strength. Yes, because uh, you, you got to calibrate that sort of thing. Uh, Data's really good at that. You're not so much, Ira. So Picard takes Graves down to engineering, um, tells Picard yeah, not to approach him. And he's not violent. You know, I'm not violent. I'm, I'm a scientist. And then though, yeah. Jordy's knocked out on the ground and Crane's uh, got a broken hand. No, not violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, a little bit of... Uh, you know, with 30 or 40, you know, instances of self-defense, you know, like everyone has. Okay, he goes, no, that's an accident. And Jordy was an accident. He's like, how many more accidents are going to happen, buddy? Yeah. So, uh, listen to this Picard speech and, uh, think about it real hard. So they keep arguing. Then Graves hits Picard and, uh, has another accident. So Picard, uh. You know, sometimes uh, your speech isn't powerful enough to uh, end the violence, but uh, the violence that can proceed afterwards sometimes can. Yeah. So Graves is shocked and appalled at his own accidental hurting of people all over, apparently. Uh, Pulaski later wakes up Picard, and he runs off to find Data, who is lying in his quarters with Jordy, Crean, and Pulaski. Uh, Data wakes up and asks Jordy why he's lying on the ground with all of them standing over him. 
And they're like, yep, that's data. <laughs> <laughs> Dana, I thought you just laid on the floor anyway. What? <laughs> Grain sees a lot of text on the computer. Graves has taken his mind out of data and into the computer where it has become a text document. Hmm. Well, uh, that means he's for sure dead because, you know, text documents are, you know, not living programs here. Wait, what if it's a rich text document? But it has better formatting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just information. No consciousness at all. Somehow. That, what does that even mean? <laughs> what did he transfer into the computer that became text? Yeah, it's uh, just like, a, is it, you know, I had this thought once and this memory is now written out in complete sentences or something like that. Or no. is it like, you know, here's some, you know, weird hexadecimal sort of uh, nonsense here and... Maybe someday someone will figure out a way to translate that back into a, a, a rudimentary intelligence to converse with, but, you know, completely useless for the time being. Yeah, it's like how when you had to save your progress in old games, it would give you a massive gibberish string of numbers and letters. <laughs> One so day someone will again. make another positronic network and, and just copy-paste this gibberish text in and he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy, and uh, hopefully that body will be less prone to accidents. So they drop Kareen off the nearest starbase, and everyone makes fun of Data for not remembering what happened when Graves took him over. Like, ah, you went through a horrifying nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. You almost died, you know, and we're going to make up stuff that didn't actually happen. And Data goes, yeah, maybe it's best I don't remember any of this stuff. Well, uh, maybe Data, this will be a good incentive to, uh, you know, build uh, fortifications within your uh, neural network to try to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you should have some defenses to keep people from downloading multiple things into your brain. Yeah. It, keeps, <laughs> it does seem to keep happening. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> no, uh, you know, they, at least one time, it, you know, it was, you know, his decision to do it, uh, but we'll get to that a while later. <laughs> so that's the oh. schizoid man. I don't know who's mm-hmm. schizoid. Uh, Data, maybe? Yeah. Ira Graves? Uh, Multiple personalities? Yeah. Well, uh, there's, you know, there's schizophrenic, but schizoid's actually, like, a little different. Right? Maybe? I don't, I'm not entirely sure if schizoid is something, like, it's a song. 21st century schizoid band. (laughs) Schizoid personality disorder is an uncommon condition in which people avoid social activities and shy away from interaction with others. Which, you know, kind of vibes with uh, a okay. uh, recluse uh, scientist guy there, I guess. Yeah, I guess, the, but only at the beginning. After he goes into data, he stops doing that. <laughs> well, uh, maybe it cured his mental illness being turned into an android. Well, it seems to give him a whole host of new mental illnesses. <laughs> well, uh, it fixed one thing, but now I'm like super violent and want everyone to be robots. And I'm creeping on... Uh, <laughs> You know, that girl a little bit more than I was before. So, mm. you know. We will all be robots. <laughs> all will be robots. I'll download everyone's brain into robots. <laughs> Suddenly, this becomes a plot of, of a Stellaris playthrough. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think? Eh, it was fine. I didn't like the character. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess... Kind of the point. <laughs> it's way too straightforward for what it's doing, I think, is the problem. Because you've got a thoroughly unlikable, possibly even, like, turning psychotic person who's taken over a likable main character's body. Indeed. So you don't actually have to engage with it on any level. It's like, here is bad guy who has done bad yeah. thing. I guess maybe to make it a a more interesting episode, you know, one, have him be better at uh, acting uh, at the very uh, least uh, for the earlier uh, parts once he's taken over. And it's sort of a, you know, once he's sort of been pushed past a certain level, you know, you know, in private, he starts like acting out a bit and then it sort of starts spilling over instead of, you know, oh, I'm you're obviously hitting on her Picard. That that was just idiotic. (laughs) Mm, that was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> There's basically two things happening in this episode. You've got the transhumanism of mm-hmm. people interfacing more and more directly with machines as technology mm-hmm. improves, 
which interesting wasn't so much it, it was a bit of a thing but it wasn't so much depicted in this era of tv and sci-fi like it was around but it wasn't as prevalent as it is nowadays so basically there's only one person in the entire series that has any sort of technological interface and that's geordie's prosthetic indeed and uh, so it's a uh a underexplored sort of bit of territory in uh, this era of Star Trek, for sure. Uh, and then you also have your bodily autonomy, which is basically what's happening with Data. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, you're, uh, you, you don't matter because your body is uh, what's important, and I'm going to make use of that for my own uses. So yeah. uh, move over. In fact, uh, the argument is this. I, I, let me give, give me 10 seconds. Let me see if I can figure out the name of this. It's a moral philosophy essay by Judith Jarvis uh, called The Defense of Abortion. And the basic gist is if you have someone who has kidney failure and you then through whatever means, like that, that's not the important part. Like you, this person who has kidney failure winds up being physically attached to another person with functioning kidneys through the bloodstream. And now that person's kidneys are handling this person's blood filtration. So I think I saw this philosophy uh, you know, video there. <laughs> yeah, it was covered on philosophy tube once. So basically, if you disconnect this person, they will die because they don't have functioning kidneys. So your question is, do you now have a moral obligation to keep these people hooked up to each other forever? Or does the person who's doing all of the kidney functioning have the autonomy of their own body to say that they cannot be forced to endure this to keep another person alive? And, uh, you know, you know those uh, who are pro-bodily autonomy are like, no, they can cut them off because, you know, they're basically being uh, used without their consent at this point. Yeah, it's really the only thing that makes any kind of actual sense is to say that you have autonomy over your own body and what's done to it. So you can't be forced to do things with your own body, even if that means that even if that means keeping someone else alive, because where's the line between doing that and having, say, forced kidney donation? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, more than kidney donation. Uh, I think I've uh, seen at least uh, one sci fi plot out there where. You know, you know, every few days when, you know, enough people are in need of uh, various organ transplants, somebody's just killed and harvested to uh, have more people, you know, have their uh, lives continued because, you know, that, you know, one, you know, one versus the needs of the many sort of uh, uh, reasoning there. And so, you know, you might be perfectly healthy and good to go, but you're going to save so many lives through your death. Well, let's even say that you don't take it as far as someone has to die. Is it morally right to say you have to do liver donation, which is a pretty simple procedure. Your liver grows back. It doesn't really do much to hurt you. And you could save someone with it. Should you be legally obligated to go through that if you found to be a compatible donor? And uh, yeah, It would no. save someone's <laughs> life and have very little impact on yours. Now, I, I also remember the, uh, I guess the doctor's side of this uh, sort of uh, uh, conundrum. You know, uh, if you're the surgeon who'd be doing this on someone who is being compelled to do it uh, against their will, uh, the, uh, the the eventual conclusion is, you know, if you have, are fully behind the Hippocratic Oath sort of uh, uh, you know, theory of medicine, you'd be doing harm to this uh, one person. You know, independent of what you know, uh, help it would be giving to somebody else, you are physically damaging them, and you know that's you know a no go. Yeah, that's a place where we're getting with a lot of modern laws of uh, doctors saying that the way that the laws are written makes it impossible to do good recommended medical care, which is against their you know thing as a doctor in various situations. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of complications and uh, legal loopholes and uh, barriers and all that sort of stuff that kind of complicates all of this. But, uh, you know, sort of, so I guess following back on the core idea of uh, you are your person, you have, uh, I guess, full sovereignty over your, your own body here is a good starting place 
uh, for, I guess, building, you know, you know, not just arguments, but also uh, procedures and legal sort of uh, frameworks around. But not everyone agrees with that, too. We get into uh, trying to uh, phrase this in a way that is, you know, not includes lots of cuss words here. But uh, I guess uh, forced birthers. (laughs) And the thing that we've had in an odd way is we, especially in America, uh, other countries might have made their legal systems differently. But as I don't know them offhand. But in America, we never particularly had bodily autonomy as much of a legal argument, which is one of the reasons that a lot of the stuff going on in the U.S. now is becoming such a problem, because abortion rights, as well as an entire host of other things, including uh, gay marriage and a lot of other things that should probably be handled by bodily autonomy, were instead based off of the right to privacy. Indeed. We didn't actually have bodily autonomy arguments. Having the right to privacy is great. But, uh, you know, as the right to privacy is, you know, being eroded, you know, all these other things are as well. And having neither uh, the full right of uh, privacy or bodily autonomy uh, sort of enumerated explicitly has basically led to a large push by those who don't believe in these things to basically have them, uh, those rights taken away from folks. And this goes for a lot of things like this bodily autonomy arguments go to abortion, which is the thing that most people are talking about now, even though very seldom framed as a bodily autonomy argument. Uh, It goes to trans rights because people who want to do things to their own body should probably be allowed to. It even goes so far as how various places are trying to restrict or ban tattoos or other kinds of aesthetic body modification. It's it's a, it's a symbol of gang membership, that little heart with your uh, lover's name in it. And that's, you know, bad. And we can't have you having gang signs around because that encourages crime and that offends us. Uh. Or even so far as to say that you can have restricted hairstyles, which is almost mm-hmm. exclusively racism. Yeah. <laughs> Your hair can't, you know, you know, uh, you know, have you can't have uh, the oh, I forget the exact term for it, but it can't be, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, a certain type of curliness it has to be straight, and it has to be, you know, this long and not longer, and you know, try to have any weave. No, that's that's bad too. Ah. Yeah, you know, hair part of your body, and uh, as someone who uh, sports uh, glorious long hair, I'm I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> So bodily autonomy arguments get into a whole host of things, and uh, the argument that they were not having in this episode is essentially that. This person has transferred their mind into another sentient entity, being Data, who we can have and will have debates on whether is a you know sentient human. That's, that's, that's part of several things in this show, but Basically, your argument is now that this person is in here and being kept alive, removing him would essentially kill him to save data. So you're essentially picking between two different people. But in your bodily autonomy arguments, you have the fact that data has complete right to what happens to his own body and did not consent to his body being used to save this person. Yeah. So uh, Ira, get out of there. And they massively simplified it by making this person an asshole to the point where they don't even have to have the discussion in any way. Mm -hmm. They never even mention whether or not this person should use this body at all. They never, he never even makes the argument that removing him would kill him. And uh, I I guess, you know, maybe in, in story, maybe Ira is wanting to avoid having that conversation. (laughs) And, but, uh, you know, Picard really should have, you know, it's like, also, you know, you're killing data. So, you know, well, the conversation (laughs) that he's trying to have, that they're trying to have in this episode is, is basically, I have the right to continue living with a machine. Like this Mm -hmm. is person is a machine. Machines are made to serve humanity. I am using this machine to extend my own life. You know, uh, if you have a uh, initial uh, assumption that data is not a person, you can kind of get away with that sort of uh, you know, logic. It's remember, garbage in, garbage out, folks. Yeah. 
But uh, I'd like to think that uh, this episode maybe helps inform Picard that maybe he should think about this a little bit more, which you know then sets him out to be more prepared about making the a better argument later. We're a few episodes out from deciding whether or not Data's a person. Yeah, which, you know, you'd think they would have done by this point. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Like, if, you, if you're letting him join your institutions, you should have made something. You should have made a, made a decision on this somewhere. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I guess we're still in the era where everyone just can kind of join Starfleet unless you're Romulan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an argument that's brought up in any particular way. And I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't discuss anything with it mm -hmm. in lieu of just having him be like this guy's a jerk we're happy to see him dead <laughs> yeah well giving our uh, villains a little bit more sympathy uh allows us to have more opportunity to consider the ethical and philosophical uh sort of implications of what's going on mm. and so you know that's one of the reasons you know among many to have more you know complicated uh, villains in our stories and you know there are folks that it's like oh villains must always be really simple and you know easy to identify and uh, object to bad guys uh, and you know reject anything else but then you suddenly don't have room for that sort of nuance and you know picking through the actual issues that you know maybe we should be thinking about and they even have the good grace at the end to have the bad guy decide that he's going to kill himself so that none of the main cast have to deal with it yeah <laughs> so uh why are we even in this one guys i don't know <laughs> to get beat up i guess <laughs> and then it gets into the transhumanism angle which they don't do a lot in star trek that's more of a cyberpunk genre thing yes uh which is basically should you be integrating technology into your body to extend your capabilities beyond what a person would be able to do without technology. Um, I don't understand the argument largely because it intersects so much with bodily autonomy argument yes. we were having earlier. It's like, you know, like, if you want to do that, go nuts. At this point in our technological progress, it's probably not the best idea, but, uh, you know, <laughs> go for yeah, it. Technology kind of sucks at it right now, uh, other than a few specific things. <laughs> I find it terrifying that so many of these companies that are run by people who don't know what they're doing are trying to get into brain implants and things. Yeah, so you just put the computer chip in there, and then the brain just wires it up itself. Uh, yeah. what? <laughs> I mean, it does. Yeah, yeah. Broadly. But, yeah, but to wire it up how you want it to actually interface, and that's a little more tricksy. Yeah. And we have some truly terrifying stuff going on right now. Like, there's... There's um, a type of implant that they use to do brain stimulation to treat very, very severe, untreatable forms of depression. Uh, they put a chip in your brain. It, it does something that stimulates your brain in a certain way that can drastically treat very, very severe depression. Um, the problem is that your brain adapts to it over time. And I wouldn't tell anybody to not get this treatment, you know, if they've been living with super severe depression and this is something that helps, great, and I'm glad they have something. But to me, that just sounds utterly terrifying to have something that is curing your depression for the amount of time that it works and then it suddenly stops working and then there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, your, your brain really wants to be in this state, so it will adapt to uh, counteract this effect. So it's not really a cure, it's just a stopgap measure for, you know. Which is what we always have with that kind of thing. The brain, the brain just does that. The brain will adapt to anything you throw at it. Hmm. But what if I throw another brain at it? <laughs> then it just gets squishy. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm now imagining uh, someone throwing brains at other brains. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then you have some so these, uh, then you have this whole thing of people doing surgery on themselves. For, uh, for transhumanist reasons. And like I said, bodily autonomy. I'm for anyone having whatever bodily autonomy they want to have, but still sounds like a fundamentally bad idea. Uh, it was years ago, but uh, there I had spotted some interesting stuff about like, uh, you know, vision implants, but I have no idea how far that's gotten at this point, if, if anywhere. Yeah, so. the last I heard, they get you rudimentary eyesight. If you and they can be used to treat certain types of macular degeneration and uh, uh, I forget what the thing the the thing where your eye starts developing too many blood vessels. 
Um, yeah, I don't know that one. They have used it to treat various forms of visual impairment. Yeah, last I heard, you it it gets you to decent but not very great vision, which is better for people than complete blindness often. Uh, you know, it's like, well, I can kind of see a fuzzy version of the world, and uh, you know, can go places that I'm not familiar with now uh, to a certain degree, but I'll uh, still need assistance uh, for you know reading and all that sort of jazz. And well. It's better than nothing, I guess. Mm -hmm. The thing that gets me is how often our technology now uh, breaks, needs to be upgraded. Um, it's all linked to various corporate entities that may or may not continue to support it. Yeah. <laughs> so There's uh, been I guess, several uh, things where people got brain implants for various reasons, and then the company that was running them just ceased to exist, and now they just have a useless brain implant sitting in there, possibly causing trouble that no one can service. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there really should be some, I guess, general rules put into place uh, where you have, like, a company-wide sort of insurance that if you go under, you you know, some other entity will sort of take over some basic uh, maintenance uh, levels of these things. Uh, and you know, might even encourage you know companies to you know not try to run each other into the ground by you know it's like oh our insurance might call upon us to service this thing and well we think they're ridiculous but you know it'd be nice not to do that so we'll just let this other company that we wanted to uh, you know end our competition with by you know you know any means necessary we'll let them continue to exist so they can take over that duty or keep that duty. Yeah. So yeah. overall. You hit, we're hitting a technological <laughs> issue with transhumanism and we're hitting a capitalism issue with transhumanism. Yeah, as usual. <laughs> Which is interesting that I this is another one of those damn places where people read cyberpunk and go, oh, the message I'm taking away from this is that soon we'll have cool arm implants, not all of the anti-capitalist dystopian messaging. Indeed. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess... Uh, you know, uh, having semi-recently uh, read uh, Neuromancer, uh, it is, you know, interesting um, how, you know, there, there, there's the technology to, like, link up to the uh, networks and things like that, as well as the technology that someone can have to sabotage that ability to someone. Uh, and, you know, there is, yeah, and so, like, yeah, we can fix that for you for a price. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I just can kind of go back back and forth here because you know it's all you know corporate sabotage here, and you know you know in the end of the day there is still folks you know in this particular world uh, of the story there that are basically like yeah we might have some weird crazy implants here but the things we are actually relying upon is actually fairly simple technology to basically you know circumvent a lot of the high tech stuff here. Because, you know, it's reliable. <laughs> you have that messaging in, like, uh, that that really good cyberpunk TV show that they had on Netflix, the cartoon. They have a thing where if you get too much or you live with cybernetic implants for too long, you, they can affect your mind and you will eventually snap and start going on a killing spree. And the solution that the government has put in place for this is to have really, really heavily armed cops. <laughs> Instead of, you know, solving the problem. Yeah, let's not solve the problem or look at the social situations that lead to this or even maybe put some reasonable restrictions on the, on the technology side. No, let's just have really, really heavily armed cops. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, also the solution in Shadowrun. Uh, like, oh, yes, uh, you know, we have... You know, you know, we've of course, you know, privatized uh, the police force already, uh, and now they're basically a you know a military upon uh, uh, you know upon themselves there, uh, and you know, there's a lot of people with random cybernetics running around, and uh, that's you know, so that's why the uh, police now have you know anti-tank weapons to take care of these people, so, yeah, yep, <laughs> so that's but you know, think about how <laughs> needed it'd be to jump really high <laughs> and uh or run really fast or uh be able to uh shoot around corners or you know uh be able to uh you know uh, climb the side of a building you know like like you're just walking <laughs> so. 
or uh, to uh, have blades come out and be like Wolverine, uh, but like cooler because you have more blades. Yeah. Limit that seems that one seems like it would have limited utility. But uh, it's like, well, I want to stab someone. <laughs> I guess I can do that now. Yeah. <laughs> this is very getting a knife installed in my hand was way more worth it to stab people than owning a knife. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it is i do enjoy playing games like Shadowrun, but some of the uh setups there can be just really ridiculous but you know some of the uh justification in world is because it's cool <laughs> like yeah this is not practical at all but uh we have a uh, you know a, a world where everyone's kind of you know chronically unhappy because it sucks so you kind of find whatever joy you can. And if your job involves getting into fights a lot, having cool stuff to stab people with, well, then, yeah, that's part of your joy. But for everyone else, no, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least that's a, that's a more practical explanation than a lot of other things. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why? Because I wanted to shoot blades out of my hands. What? Yes. <laughs> They're also gold-plated and okay. have flashy lights. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the uh, guy over there, uh, you know, has very subtle cybernetics. You know, it's like, yeah, I have a replacement eye so that I could be a, a, a top level sniper with any weapon. So <laughs> it's like, well, that, that's actually pretty cool. All right. <laughs> it's like not flashy. It just does the job. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, Ira Gray's maybe you should just gotten invested into cybernetics, <laughs> like in the, uh, you know, cyberpunk uh, fashion. So you could, slowly replace your body bits by bit. And then whatever's killing you, it's like, oh, I'm just going to scoop whatever that out uh, is out. And there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm now sort of a cyborg. Yeah. And then, of course, they just do this as a matter of course and don't talk about it at all by the time you get to Star Trek Picard. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just, you know, Picard does have an artificial heart at this point, uh, technically, but they don't actually have... You know, it established at all. Yeah, they haven't talked about it. Later. <laughs> yeah. But um, hypothetically, it's a thing. <laughs> they haven't thought up yet. <laughs> okay. That's that's a lot of the thing. Yes. So, so probably so, uh, time to... About that time? All these car horns go away. And then we can have the galaxy's favorite game show! Hey everybody, welcome to the galaxy's favorite game show. The various contestants have been, uh, you know, racking up points, uh, though I think they're some of these uh, extra symbols here. Did somebody do- uh, download their brain into the uh, scorekeeping uh, uh, system happen? Probably. This is gibberish. Yeah, that's annoying, but uh, we can still uh, uh, hand out the prizes that are attached to everything else uh, in the meantime. So, uh, first off, we got the Hard Drive Brain Prize, of course, which goes to Data for getting his brain taken over. Whoops. What does he win, Gipwin? Data wins defragmentation, because he probably just does that as a matter of course, but I doubt that whatever random downloaded mind would hold up to that very well. Plus, it would make him think more efficiently. Indeed. And uh, who knows? Maybe with proper defragmented uh, you know, neural network, uh, he'll be able to... Uh, actually like juggle the multiple uh you know uh, uh, brains that get downloaded into them throughout the series and beyond of course probably mm. if you have a neural network that's meant to mimic the way a human brain works defragmenting it would break the entire thing because our brains run almost entirely on cross-purpose inefficiency <laughs> whoops <laughs> Uh, anyway, our second prize is the uh, Body Snatcher Prize, which goes to Ira Grace for engaging in Grand Theft on an Android. What does Ira Graves win, Gepwin? Some improv classes? It's like, <laughs> you, what was your long-term plan here? To You aren't even trying to pretend to be Data, even though you're saying so. Like, if if you really think that you have a leg to stand on here, you should just show up and go like, yeah, I was able to transfer my consciousness into a robot. That's cool, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, if you uh, want to keep it nice and secret, you could uh, be like, well, I'm going to take a few days off. And then, uh, you know, once those days are over, be like, yes, I'm resigning from Starfleet because this, 
you know, a person that I knew that has died is affected me so incredibly much that I'm going to get off on the same planet as Brianna over here. But, you know, that didn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> the, the final prize today is the uh, Tadaya's Logical Prize, which goes to Picard for giving a speech to Iridata that will eventually get him to, uh, you know, give up on this whole, uh, you know, writing data, you know, into the uh, forever uh, uh, part of uh, the future and just kind of die, you know. As you do. So for Picard, talking a uh, a, a brain possessing a r- robot to death, uh, it, it, he gets his prize. Anyway, what does he win, Gepwin? <laughs> they need whatever. I mean, they probably don't have one because the future is perfect in this series. So she could have some sort of mental health hotline. Because since they didn't go into any argument on whether or not this dude deserves to live... The, the thing that Picard's actually doing is just advocating suicide as a solution to his problems. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, maybe have more uh, uh, Troy in this episode. Maybe that could have Yeah, that could have worked. You know, how she's a psychologist. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's all the prizes I got to hand out today, uh, Gepwind. Uh, you know, unless, uh, you know, this uh, weird, you know, uh, hex number is uh, actually more prizes to hand out. Uh, which case I don't know what they're supposed to mean. Um, yeah, in case that's a thing, uh, well, we can come back later. Anyway, uh, go ahead and take us away. Yeah, thank you everyone for joining us and downloading your brain into the power of our show that we call the Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. that happened this is so <laughs> lazy the writing in some of these episodes is so lazy second season is yeah. is very yeah it has less straight bat straight up bad episodes uh but you know it's yeah <laughs> like this next one is like this so the next episode this one i remember it's memorable as an episode i get it but like from the name, I can never remember what episode it is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, is like uh, someone been uh, tinkering with the uh, genes of the crew and uh, trying to, you know, turn them into super crew, or maybe they have, they've met someone who's been, uh, you know, escaped from like a, a lab or something like that, and they have like weird powers that they have to like figure out and uh, get them to either rein in or. Uh, they're going to get themselves killed because, you know, it's a Star Trek episode. That kind of thing happens sometimes. Uh, or maybe maybe they've been, uh, you know, a, a bioengineered uh, a super soldier that's now been uh, secured in prison for uh, ages and is, uh, you know, is broken out and is uh, on a, a bit of a, a you know, a journey to try to, uh, you know, find escape. And then, you know, once it's clear that he's never going to find escape, he's going to go back to his home planet and be like, you know, you know, you, we can't shoot you unless you make a move against us. But, you know, if we're going to be like here and we're going to point guns at you, you know, we can respond if you try to attack us. Is it like that? I mean, it could be any of those things. That's the thing. So the next episode is Unnatural Selection, which, yeah, it could be any of that stuff. It is, in fact, one of those. It's people have been tinkering with something, something to probably breed super soldiers, even though they don't say super soldiers. <laughs> the thing that gets me with this episode and the, unna- the unnatural selection okay right natural selection but this is evolution that people are tinkering with etc etc not the main plot of the episode the weird side plot of the episode that explains what's going on and also a twist that you get part way through the episode so why is why why did you name it this why didn't you call it age before beauty that would be a uh... You know, a better uh, title, I think. You uh, get both in there. Or, anyway. <laughs> or maybe uh, Authorized Augments. Yeah. This is... Um, yeah. <laughs> which which episode was that? This uh, which I'm having memory problems today. Aging Virus. Uh, the Deadly Years? Yeah, that was the original series, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, where they had the... De- so this is the remake of the Deadly Years... <laughs> except but with they little uh, don't have uh yeah radiation yes <laughs> instead they uh they have uh basically uh you know augmented humans and you know i thought that was illegal yep uh why, why what are you doing here guys 
Is this a non-federation uh, uh, facility? So what? yeah, they they find a ship where everyone died of old age, even though they were supposed to be in their twenties. They don't try adrenaline, which would be the first thing I try, <laughs> given this situation. But uh, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't work anyway. And then Pulaski has to go do heroics to figure out what's going on. Well, of course, when you mention uh, adrenaline, I do remember the uh, that one episode of Agents of Shield where the guys you know get stabbed with the adrenaline shot. He's like, oh yeah. That's what I was missing. Adrenaline. <laughs> that was such a bad show. <laughs> I still yes. loved it. It was terrible at times. <laughs> so yeah, next episode has nothing to do with adrenaline or really evolution. That's fun. Maybe maybe uh, part of uh, Darwin's early explanation about how natural selection works by looking at unnatural selection mm-hmm. and like dog breeding or something. It does have uh, Pulaski thirsting after a hot shirtless guy. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's yeah. good. She deserves love. But yeah, that's next time. Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow. Wasn't this band like a while ago? have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs>